This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey everybody, welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs, astrologer and channel from tdjacobs.com. And today's a different sort of show. It's kind of strange I've gone a year on uh, The Soul's Journey uh, here without devoting a show to this topic. It's a Lilith show. I specialize in Lilith, and I've been, um, you know, it's come up in some caller readings, and I've mentioned it several times uh, over the course of the show, but to focus on Lilith and to give you, like, an overview, and then uh, we're also going to do a ho- Through the Houses and Signs to give you a little bit of info on each placement. Uh, and then in the third part of the show, uh, I will be taking uh, caller questions. I'm going to give you that number now and keep it handy. And then after the second break, uh, the phone lines are going to be open. It's 877 230 3062 again 877-230-3062. First, I'll start with some announcements. Uh, I'll be in uh, Venice, California, October 20th at Mystic Journey Bookstore uh, at 1624 Abbott Kinney from noon to 2 p.m. You can get all the details um, at the Mystic Journey uh, uh, Bookstore site as well as through tdjacobs.com. It's going to be a, a, a workshop called Meet Your Soul, and uh, I'm going to be telling you about evolutionary astrology, explaining soul, talking about the steps I use to understand soul's message in a person's birth chart. But the bulk of the, of the two hours will be uh, with talking about this. And uh, and we'll and we'll hook it up for you. I'm I'm really excited about this. That's Sunday, October 20th in uh, Venice, California, Mystic Journey Bookstore in Abbott Kinney. Uh, I set the next uh, major channeling event. Uh, we did one at the end of August, and I've received rave reviews about absolutely deeply transformative, life-changing things that have gone on for people, the energy uh, release uh, event. Now we're following it up on November 9th. Um, with uh, transforming self-doubt. And again, it will be Archangel Metatron slash Serial and uh, Ascended Master Jehudi, who's also Thoth and, and Saint Germain and Merlin. So this is gonna be this is gonna be a big time. And I think um I think what they're planning to do, um and I'm I'm the humble, you know, I'm the humble servant who brings brings it through, but it's kind of uh them watching my development, what can I offer? You know, what kind of space uh, can I hold for a group of people and how can I help people release energies and heal things? And so there's a specific order to them. And so uh, if you're piqued by this idea of doing an, uh, an event with, with such beings, an archangel and ascended master, uh, and releasing energy, you can go to tdjacobs.com and uh, get the MP3 of that. Uh, but this next one will be transforming self-doubt, all the ways that you – might uh, doubt yourself or doubt that you have the right to be here or have the right to flourish or anything. Uh, so I'm very excited about that as well. And, and I am uh, expecting probably at least a week of my own personal prep time uh, where my schedule is going to be much lighter the week before the event because um, 
I know that just like the other times I've done these big events, that uh, I'll, I'll have to go through my own healing process to uh, to open to these new this new. Uh, uh, well, I'll just have to go through my own process before I help you with yours. That's all. Uh, so, um, that is uh, part of a five-part series that actually starts October 22nd called Astrology at the Edge of Consciousness, hosted and put together by Adam Allenboss of Nightlight Astrology. Now, last week at the end of the show, I said that he would be my guest this week. It's actually going to be next week. So you heard me correctly if you were expecting him to be my guest. Uh, but he's actually at a conference, and it worked out better to wait a week. Uh, so he'll be here next week, and we're going to talk about – uh, we're going to talk about consciousness and uh, archetypes, and I'm going to use him. He's, he's graciously agreed to share his birth date and be uh, a guinea pig for my explanation of living a conscious Neptunian life, uh, part of a series I've been doing over the course of the show, because I love giving you examples of how to approach Neptune in a positive way, and he's got quite a lot to say about that. Uh, part of his focus is on plant medicine uh, and astrology and, and how to get inside archetypes and, and have a direct experience of them. And a direct experience of something outside ourselves is Neptune. So I'm excited to have him on the show next week. Um, yeah, I think those are the announcements. Let's jump into the Lilith deal. Um, so first of all uh, – if you like what you hear today, sign up for the Lilith webinar that I just mentioned. You can get the, the link from my homepage, tjacobs.com, on the right-hand side, uh, the Astrology at the Edge of Consciousness link. Um, and also, I have published a book, Lilith Healing the Wild. It's by far my most popular book. I thought the Soul's Journey series would end up being the most popular, but Lilith really speaks to people. People are craving to understand this archetype. I want to say two things. First of all, some material you may find out there on Lilith may be negative Maybe, you know, talking about how she's the, the demon, the mother of all demons, the dark goddess, all this, this stuff that, you know, might make us, might make you a little uncomfortable or pique your interest in a kind of, you know, mysterious Scorpio way. Um, but really, um, there's a positive thing in there. And, and what I hear from the readers of the book is that my approach is the only really positive one out there that's life affirming. So you can check out the book, Lilith Healing the Wild. I also offer, um, the Lilith Natal Report. Uh, which I wrote in 2008, kind of a channeled uh, channeled report, more or less channeled from Serial, the, the archangel that I was talking about, who's one of my guides. And um, he is actually in certain circles said to be a child of Lilith. And so when I was doing all this work and talking to my guides, he came forward and said, let me tell you what's really going on here. And so he kind of explained this whole picture, and I turned it into an astrology teaching. Um so the True Black Moon Lilith Report is also available through tdjacobs.com, and that gives you upcoming uh, transits and progressions to your Lilith, um, as well as uh, its natal placement and um, all the aspects in your chart. So the other thing to tell you uh, is, you know, other than it's a positive approach, what I'm doing, is that I use the True Black Moon Lilith. The most readily, and I also use the asteroid, asteroid 1181, but the most readily available Lilith in astrology software is the mean position, which is averaged, and uh, you don't want to use that. So ensure that you're doing it, you know, that you're pulling the right one. They can vary up to 30 degrees, so it's a big deal. So as I tell you about Lilith tonight, uh, you may uh, think you know where your Lilith is, and if you've used conventional, you know, the readily available methods, you might be up to 30 degrees wrong, and it's it's a big deal. So 
So the, the, the way that I look this up easy is on astro.com under the extended chart selection page. Don't choose Lilith in the extra bodies and, you know, where, um, Sedna and Ceres and all those are. Don't choose that Lilith. That's the mean position. Go to the text box below and type H13 and it'll show up as OSC period capital L. That is the true Bachman Lilith. Tons of people, including the people who run Astro.com, uh, argue that you can't use the true Blackman Lilith, the, the oscillating apogee, as I do. But I do because I get amazing results, and the mean position basically yields crap. It's like astrology's Eve. It's like the <laughs> smoothed over, uh, you know, lack of response, milk toast, bland thing. It's like asking a blow up doll what a woman is like. Don't use it. Use the true Blackman Lilith, H13. Um, and I know in Solar Fire and other software you can find it, but you have to work a little hard to do that. So I want to give you a, a couple of minutes of an overview of Lilith and then talk about the signs and houses. Um, she's said to be this, you know, demon, this mother of all demons, this dark force, this, you know, the negative feminine, all this stuff. We're supposed to be afraid of her. What is really happening is that she represents a portion of our consciousness that is uh, the wild feminine. And I say the wild as in natural, as in untamed, uncontrolled. In the mythology that comes to us uh, through the Hebrew tradition, and this is not Genesis, you have to go uh, to to commentaries on that and other texts um, to find this story, but um, Adam of you know, Genesis fame, <laughs> uh, you know, is, uh, is just going about his business, living his life and, uh, naming all the animals, right? You remember that, that episode and at the end of it, he says, um, he asks God why all the other animals have a natural mate. And, uh, God says, well, I made you male and female, uh, together. And so I'll, I'll split you. So you're not lonely. And in that split, that is Adam and Lilith. So Adam being, you know, this prototypical mythological first man and Lilith being this mythological first woman. Well, he represents the natural masculine, which seeks to shape, direct and control uh, and give shape to and, and uh, be, you know, contain something while she just is. So whenever you have a split between these two energies, you know, whenever there is a sense of self and other there is a sense of identifying with male or female. There, there's always a sense. And the male will always attempt to give shape to, uh, control, or, or direct um, the feminine. So he has this thing about being dominant, and she says, gosh, we're equals. And he says, no, we're really not. And it just kind of turns into this like semantics thing about, you know, he, she says, we're made of the same stuff at the same time. He says, no, we're not. We're a little different. So she leaves him. You know, he's the only man on earth, and she leaves him. So she doesn't have to feel subservient to him. She goes away, and he's lonely, and he has God threaten her to come back. So she doesn't come back. And this, in this story, this Hebrew mythology, uh, God punishes her and then she goes into this rage. So if you've been listening to me for any length of time, uh, you will, you will have had your attention put on the fact that all rage covers pain, right? All anger is an outgrowth of pain. So we see her raging and we're not supposed to know that she's in pain. We just see that she seeks vengeance on men 
and uh, and also on on children who are not protected in, in, in that tradition. So she's got this horrible reputation. <laughs> and and um, she, you know if the cultural teaching is that if you're going to uh, you know be autonomous and not follow this masculine idea of a patriarchal god, if you're going to do that, then you're going to be punished and you're going to be angry. You're going to be an outsider. So it's this whole thing about trying to get people just to follow this this law that they say is from God. You know, I don't, I don't want to put down any religion. Um, and I don't mean to do that as I talk about uh, the Hebrew tradition, Judaism now. I'm actually raised in that tradition. Um, but when I was 16, I just kind of said, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really think this is what God wants. And I had to kind of distance myself uh, from it. Um, and this Lilith stuff has really, uh, you know, taken over a lot of my attention over the last uh, few years, seven or eight years. And uh, so I've been thinking about it. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to, to be, uh, down on Judaism at all. It's just kind of like this is a part of the human collective experience that we require a religion to shame the feminine, and it happened to be that one. And then, you know, to shame the masculine actually became Christianity, to shame doubt, which is a ma- which is a mental energy of using your own mind, and that's the Lucifer archetype that I also uh, demystify and and uh, and and take apart. But um, so, if you're going to be Lilith, you're a problem. And uh, that's the kind. That's the kind of message. Um, so where Lilith is in the chart, it it look. This is our our raw, visceral, emotional experience of the natural feminine. The raw, visceral experience of the feminine. This has to do with sometimes uh, erratic emotions. Sometimes it has to do with um, uh, changing needs. You know, like like the ideas of living in the moment, being connected to instinct, which is what the webinar on November 21st is going to be all about, reconnecting to instinct. Um, honoring our place in nature, our connection to the earth, you know, that we have cycles just as the seasons are cycles, just as all life has cycles and the earth itself is in, is in cycles. So where it is in the chart is sometimes uh, indicative of how we we have a hard time or would have a hard time if we uh, adhered to this natural feminine energy within us, men and women together, um, uh, if, if we don't fit into the social norm around us, which is trying to get us to smooth over the erraticness, to smooth over the rough edges and to not be uncontrollable. You know, the worst thing you can do is to not follow the party line. That's kind of, you know, I don't think all societies have to be that way, but that's what we've been doing. And, uh, you know, this, this, these, uh, old timey religions have, um, you know, depending on how you, you know, what time frame you're using, I, I consider them, you know, a few thousand years, that, that's pretty established. But these, uh, these old, old time religions, um, you know, have had a major part in shaping, in shaping who we, who we think we are. So when Lilith is active in a chart, this person is probably, um, probably a little unpredictable, uh, probably needs to go his or her own way. Autonomy would be a huge theme. Um, uh, lower chakra, Awareness is a huge theme, and, I, and when I'm coaching people on this, I often tell them to uh, choose food based on what their bodies tell them to eat. That's a lower chakra kind of thing. And also another big category here is when somebody looks good on paper or a situation seems great, but when you're in that situation or you're around that person, your skin crawls, something's not right, but you can't discern a reason, that's Lilith, your instinct 
you know, uh, telling you something's wrong. Sometimes people will talk about how something stinks here or this person didn't smell right, but it's not an actual smell. So uh, when I come back, I'm going to give you a quick tour through the signs and houses. This is Tom Jacobs on the soul's journey. We're going to take our first break. We'll be right back. answers to help you navigate life the book jehudi speaks offers wisdom channeled from ascended master jehudi aka thoth saint germain and merlin on humanity's opportunities during these exciting times jehudi speaks provides what you need to know to grow and evolve on earth now a compilation of four channeled books jehudi speaks explores karmic relationships our relationships with animals loss and death of all kinds why the imbalance between masculine and feminine occurred and how to end it, and tools to evolve, including working with intuition and spirit guides, integrating past lives, and the truth about manifestation and abundance. Order Jehudi Speaks today through tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. back to the soul's journey this is tom jacobs from tdjacobs.com and today is a lilith show here on the soul's journey um now i'm going to go through the houses and signs uh, it might seem a little quick to you but keep in mind that um i have a lot of resources at tdjacobs.com that can tell more of the story and also the lilith pages on my site tdjacobs.com forward slash lilith L-I-L-I-T-H dot H-T-M-L. And there's some some rudimentary info on houses, signs, aspects, transits, and stuff like that. Um, people find it people find it useful. I'm, I'm always amazed at the web stats of how many people find my site in general, you know, through that, through that place from all over the world, just looking at what does it mean to have Lilith in the first or Lilith in Capricorn uh, and that kinds of questions. So we'll start with the houses. Lilith in the first house, the house of the body, self-personality, this element of raw instinct comes to this house. So the person will wear the energy of Lilith, whether he or she likes it or not. So all these issues about the needs to relate to the body as an extension of nature, how to honor the cycles of the body to accept all the erratic, out of con- not out of control, but, but not predictable things sometimes our bodies do. Um, I, have a, I have a friend with this um, who has Lilith in the first, and she remarked that the, the pain she was terrified of giving birth to her child because of the pain. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, what what does that pain mean? And with Lilith in the first, it's like a huge kind of raw thing that you have to face eventually. So people carry the energy of Lilith and will very obviously be Lilith figures for others 
even if they themselves aren't quite sure what the issue, you know, what's going on. Uh, Lilith in the second, this is about skills, values, resources, and self-esteem. So how one decides what's really important, what skills are gathered, um, needs to operate by instinct. And uh, can actually, actually Lilith anywhere in the chart can show where we're shamed for being uh, anti-status quo. And so in the first house, it can be, you know, how you approach your health and your body and all that, uh, and also sexuality. In this, in the second house, how you approach your skills and how you develop those. I actually have my true black moon Lilith in the second house, and uh, my skills are all over the place. <laughs> my skills are because I, I get drawn to something that helps me connect to myself and my, my abilities as an extension of the natural world. Um, it can also lead to some erratic things regarding possessions and uh, money, uh, but it's really about self-worth, and the self-worth is bolstered by really knowing who one is and accepting the self. Lilith in the third house, the house of mind, communication, uh, education, speaking, all the, all the things in life that have to do with information in and out. This is going to come out in school. Lilith is going to come out when this person speaks and asks questions. Um, and it can be uh, this person is always saying the things that are, you know, against the status quo. This person, you know, may uh, – the thought patterns may actually be erratic too, and that would translate into the experience in school and the experience in writing and listening. It can be, you know, if the person gives in and connects to instinct, it can be fabulous for um, having a voice that is aligned with, you know, nature. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about with Lilith, is honoring instinct within us um, and uh, being authentic and autonomous. So uh, that's that's Lilith in the third house. Uh, and people who maybe will be interested in Lilith themes with, with that in the third house. Uh, in the fourth house, this is the inner self, inner world. This is also family and heritage, so in uh, ancestry. So anything in the fourth house, I always tell my students, uh, in someone's natal fourth house, indicates a theme that has been being passed down through generations in that person's family in one way or another. So that this person, you know, has Lilith in his or her inner psychic basement, but also a Lilith themes travel through the family system. And the fourth house also relates to, um, uh, you know, our inner world and our emotional self. And so, so here we have, um, you know, Lilith interacting with the archetype of the moon. They don't confuse the moon in the fourth house and the sign of cancer, but, but, um, they are different. But this sense of the inner world needing to connect deeply with nature, needing to connect deeply with the cycles and rhythms of nature. And again, perhaps some emotional erratic stuff, uh, with this and also things in the home, uh, you know, may change quite a bit. The person may put something up on a wall and say, I mean, this is kind of a general thing, but it happens. Put something up on a wall and say, that is perfect. But two weeks later, it's not perfect and change it because we adapt to our surroundings, but then we also have inner things that we need to act upon. And Lilith and the fourth would be home needs to change and home needs to um, reflect who I am as a being, not just as a mental being, but as a whole being, including phys physicality. Uh, Lilith in the fifth house, creative expression. There's going to be a bit of wildness in the in, in all these in these ways. Now, the fifth house also has to do with all the parts of life where we express our opinions, where we show who we are, where we shine, we perform something. Whether that's you know our version of um, 
you know, a, a written piece you know, as an actual, you know, dramatic performance of some way or recitation, or if we're performing our opinions or performing the experience of being us, that all belongs in that fifth house. And this is a house uh, is playfulness and spontaneity. So the person's playfulness uh, and performance and shining will need to be um, uh, changeable. Will need to change up. Uh, there may be some erratic stuff in there. And and um, another Lilith keyword that I haven't mentioned yet is earthy. So as you as you talk about performance and creation uh, with Lilith in the fifth, uh, that comes in there. The need to have things be earthy. Um, in the sixth that oh let me just say regarding that um, Lilith is not afraid to get her hands dirty because she knows she is connected to all of life on Earth. So wherever Lilith is in the chart, it, it can also indicate not just the erratic thing, but also where uh, and not just instinct, but where you're not afraid to get your hands dirty because you know that it, to be involved fully with life involves getting your hands dirty so uh so moving on to lilith in uh the sixth house um service duty responsibility uh teamwork all the parts of life that involve uh developing humility and sometimes um becoming humble and and backburnering egoic concerns and drives that's a big part of uh, the sixth house and um so your experience in you know being humble you will change. Uh, there's a need for instinct. The service that one offers needs to uh, reflect uh, the changing person and that kind of sense of um, being connected to the earth, the cycles of nature. This also has to do a lot with um, uh, because I, I, you know, the sixth house is said to be the house of illness and disease, but it's really the house of the the minute. My students are probably like cringing because they hear this almost every week, but the minute processes of uh, the body, and so our digestive system, our endocrine system, a lot of these things fit within the sixth house because all these minute interlocking things. Uh, you know, that, that affect each other. So when we eat things, um, you know, our body's always talking to us. This, the first house is where we would feel up or down or happy, you know, energetic or not about it. The sixth house is where we actually can get inside the process and understand how that works. And Lilith there, it really connects us to what we eat. It really connects us to, to everything that we do uh, regarding health as well. Seventh house, we might not be sure how to be Lilith. And we need others to activate Lilith within us. So sometimes it will seem with someone with Lilith in the seventh that everybody else is Lilith. <laughs> everybody else is wild or instinctive or isn't controllable or something like that. Um, and the big thing with the seventh house placements is that you need someone else to activate it. Well, what do you do when it's activated in that, in that time? So people with Lilith in the seventh find out about autonomy and relationship by being around other people who are like Lilith or people who don't like Lilith, and then this kind of drives the chart holder to be more like Lilith. So Lilith in the seventh, you go through a long-term process of what's fair, what isn't fair, how can I be autonomous, how can I you know, be true to myself and, every, and everybody else. Uh, but sometimes there, there's constriction, and you have to, you have to um, advance out of that constriction in order to, in order to uh, make everything good. And that's part of the learning process, these other people being helpers for you. Going into the eighth house, uh, things get a little more intense. Right in the seventh house, we're trying to figure out how to play together, you know, and make nice. And in the eighth house, you know, we're bonding. We're we're feeling out each other's limits. We're getting involved. We're getting entangled. We're intimate of different kinds. 
the eighth house, what all the things about the eighth house have in common is that we uh, are vulnerable or we explore trusting others and having others trust us. So with Lilith there, uh, there's an, in, there's a really serious radar for, for who should be opened up to. It's really kind of intense. When I work with somebody, with people with Lilith in the eighth, the true black moon, uh, I tell, you know, they might have issues where they're not sure who they can trust. And I say, look, Lilith within you, your first and second chakras are very clear about it. You know, and I explain the whole thing about somebody looks good on paper, but I, my skin crawls when I'm around that person, and that is what needs to be listened to. In the eighth house, that volume is cranked up. And so also um, the bonded uh, intimacy and deep sexual, deep sexual intimacy and bonding uh, needs to happen in an authentic way. This person needs to have autonomy, and this person also needs to um, and, and explore intimacy instinctively. So kind of bringing that raw, wild, visceral self into that arena and allowing that to happen. Moving on to the ninth house, the house of philosophy and long-distance journeys and religion and really belief and worldview tie together a lot of the things that that belong in the ninth house. And so with Lilith there, um, there needs to be an earthy approach to belief an earthy approach to religion. Some, um, you know, strict religion that shames the feminine will not work for this person. But this person may have been born into that and needs to, you know, evolve beyond the strict limitations of any thought, you know, thought uh, pattern or any um, uh, th- belief system that says the feminine is bad. With Lilith in the ninth, you need to believe in something and you need to have a worldview that incorporates the cycles of nature and honors that in you. It's a very kind of like pagan earth-based religion kind of need, even if it's not religious, just relating to the world in that way. You know, even if there isn't a real belief there, the worldview, the person's philosophy needs to reflect that. Now into the 10th house, this is the, the house of being in public. This is what people see from afar when they don't really know us, but they see this, uh, we become a symbol or something in the tenth house, so people with Lilith in the tenth will be a symbol of, you know, raw emotion, um, wi- you know, wildness or not being controlled, or a symbol of um, intense sexuality, which is another uh, Lilith uh, key phrase, um, and kind of raw visceral sexuality. So the person can be seen as, you know, the the troublemaker if that's what the person is experiencing, because you know, lots of people get made wrong for being Lilith. And in the 10th house, you're made a public symbol in some way of that, um, that influence that, that's, tr- that's troublesome or problematic. Um, you know, women who carry strong Lilith energies can be um, kind of, uh, you know, vilified for, um, for that, but men can too. It seems easier to do, to do it to women because they're women and this archetype is a feminine archetype, and it kind of dovetails together. But men carry this energy as well and can be a symbol of disrupting the status quo, asking the hard questions, being um, you know, kind of iconoclastic and not giving in to the, the seductive nature of the, you know, the, the mass like brainwashing, whatever like you're supposed to be in society, not doing it. Um, and that will be Lilith in the 10th. Um, and it means the work in the world and the reputation needs to reflect Lilith. So, uh, so feeding that's really good. <laughs> feeding that is really good so you're not by default a weird symbol of Lilith in the world, weird symbol of the natural world. In the 11th house, the house of creating the future in groups, 
again, earthy goals, like that word earthy, earth-based goals, um, you know, understanding the natural rhythms of nature that in, that informs where you're headed with your life. So, you know, the 11th house, this thing about groups and friends and wishes, hopes, and dreams, those all have to do with um, creating the future. You need to find other people who want the same future as you, and you need to create it with them. You can't create a future to live in by yourself. So the 11th house is that's why it's about friends and groups. It's really about goals and the people who you can help and can help you get there. So Lilith there, if the person is having a negative, you know, Lilith thing can be singled out as that troublemaker kind of, kind of energy, but also instinctively choosing a group is incredibly important. You, your brain might have gotten you into a group if you have Lilith in the 11th, and then you find that you have to break away because it wants to dominate you, just like Lilith had to break away from Adam when he was you know, playing this domination game and superiority game. People with Lilith in the 11th can have that experience and need to break away. Lilith in the 12th house, you know, some people say the 12th house is the, the house of everything or the house that you can't really explain or the house of being trapped in something. I, I offer that the 12th house is um, is about where we connect to other realities. Uh, you, you know, Neptune itself would be the part of us that tries to connect and live multidimensionally, experience the self as more than just a single ego. Uh, and uh, the 12th house is the parts of life that enable that in some way. So uh, Lilith in the 12th uh, and, and, and remedies in the 12th house almost always include downtime, quiet time in nature, connecting with nature. So Lilith in the 12th is a very loud indicator that the person needs to make sure not to get caught up too much in the world but to allow uh, instinct to draw one into meditative states, to go explore nature, get your hands dirty, and experience the natural world, have a direct experience of, um, of the natural world, including getting one's hands dirty. Um, it can be, you know, some people have a hard time finding things in the 12th house, you know, their planets and points in the 12th, uh, but the true black moon Lilith in the 12th, will, you'll find that the person can clear out energies, can think straight, can get one's head and heart organized in the right way if that downtime and that, you know, purging time of purging excess energies and releasing things is is accomplished through dealing with nature so those those are the houses um i'm actually going to take the second break now i spent a lot i didn't know how i was going to possibly do the houses and signs in less than an hour because as i've told you i wrote a book on it and there's just so many things to say uh but those are the houses i'm going to come back and give you an overview of the signs and then uh, open up the phone lines uh, stick with me on the soul's journey i'll be right back wired is no accident your soul has divine intentions for this life understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world 
A Soul's Journey soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. Looking for answers to help you navigate life? The book, Jehudi Speaks, offers wisdom channeled from Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin on humanity's opportunities during these exciting times. Jehudi Speaks provides what you need to know to grow and evolve on Earth now. A compilation of four channeled books, Jehudi Speaks explores karmic relationships, our relationships with animals, loss and death of all kinds, why the imbalance between masculine and feminine occurred and how to end it, and tools to evolve, including working with intuition and spirit guides, integrating past lives, and the truth about manifestation and abundance. Order Jehudi Speaks today through tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to the Soul's Journey. This is uh, Tom Jacobs. I'm an astrologer and channel from TD. Well, from TDJacobs.com. That's where you can find me electronically. Uh, today is a Lilith show. Uh, I ran through the houses and gave you an overview of the archetype and, and some of our experiences as humans with it. Um, and so now with the signs, the signs is actually going to be briefer than the houses, and I, and I do want to fit in a call or two. Um, I'm going to give you the, the number one more time, and I'll let you know when uh, – actually, you can feel free to call in. It's going to be like four or five minutes from now. Uh, 877-230-3062. Now, the signs are a, a lens through which uh, energy works. So Aries is about boldness. And so with an Aries, the instinct needs to work unfettered, without thinking, really instinctively. It's kind of a double instinct signature. Um, and if the person is afraid to be Lilith, then Aries itself, the mode of being, you know, developing courage, the mode of being instinctive uh, will be hindered. Uh, with Taurus, it's the mode of slowing down to make sure things are in order and, and determining what's most important. So with someone with Lilith and Taurus, that needs to happen instinctively. Most people, most of us sit down and say, well, gosh, what's important to me? But with Lilith and Taurus, the person has to feel into it and that lower chakra wisdom can, can give all the answers. And again, if the person is not doing that, then the whole thing about Taurus can be hindered and slowed down and, you know, energetically blocked. Gemini is about flexibility and curiosity and, and, uh, and gathering new data. And so that person's curiosity can be kind of off the charts with Lilith and Gemini. Uh, uh, and if the person is afraid to be Lilith or has been shamed for being Lilith or judged or punished for that, then that mode of being curious can be messed up, can be can be uh, altered and tweaked and limited. Um, so you know, wherever you know, if uh, if you if you know where your Lilith is, just kind of you know um, think about these things. This idea of well, operating by instinct will be good for me. But then if I don't operate by instinct, then I'm, that whole part of my life, that whole 12th of the Zodiac for me is going to be bumpy because I'm not going to want to do it. The Lilith book, Lilith Healing the Wild, and the True Black Moon Lilith Natal Report go into this and how to move the energy 
Um, uh, Lilith in Cancer, this is the, the lens of feeling, of, of seeing the world through the lens of the heart. Uh, and so it's very sensitive. And so, um, you know, this is a, another, you know, version of Lilith coming to the moon archetype. And so feelings. And the person's feelings will be all over the place, perhaps. And, you know, we live in a culture where we're supposed to not feel very much or in very intentional ways that our mind has, you know, set out for us. And someone with Lilith and Cancer cannot possibly fit into that paradigm without really um, having like a ton of bricks on his or her heart and emotions. Uh, so really needing to move that energy uh, viscerally and physically. Um, in Leo, uh, shining, it's the method of um, shining and playfulness. And so uh, Lilith here, you know, the playfulness needs to have this instinctive edge and the instinct needs to have free reign to play and improvise Huge Leo keyword improvisation, uh, and so uh, Lilith in uh, Leo needs needs room to like play and experience, and again, getting the hands dirty through creativity, through playfulness, through spontaneity, that kind of thing. Uh, Lilith in Virgo, Virgo is uh, the mode of the zodiac that is um, about getting specific and analyzing details and improving things. So any planet or point working through Virgo seeks to improve things. It is about being of service, but it's really service is one kind of way of making something better. Um, so craftspeople too, not thought of as being service people, uh, but it's the same energy. Um, so anything in Virgo tries to take things apart to make things better. Um, the analytical nature with that the organizational analytical nature with Lilith here will need to be driven by instinct. And, you know, what's going to be prioritized in this list of to-do, you know, what's going to be done? And the, the brain has all these schemas to, to work with, all these ideas. But Lilith and Virgo needs to, to, to get, you know, uh, instinctive and visceral about what needs to get done and how it gets done. It is about methods as well uh, with, with Virgo because there's this idea of fine, detail-oriented work. Lilith and Libra, um, uh, trying to find balance is the big thing with Libra. People think it's about balance. It's not. <laughs> it's about uh, exploring sometimes extremes in order to try to map out the possibilities and then see how to choose a middle ground. Uh, and you can see the Inside Libra show that I did just before the, uh, the uh, equinox this year a few weeks ago. Uh, go back through your podcast archives and find that. Um, it goes, that goes into that. Uh, with Lilith here, you know, uh, Libra is a relating energy and it's a trying, trying to balance things energy. So what is balanced, how things are balanced, need to operate instinctively. People with Lilith and Libra will find themselves in all kinds of relationships that are that don't work well. And the answer is uh, needing to work with instinct, needing to respond to others by instinct and needing to initiate by instinct and work with others instinctively. Lilith and Scorpio. The Scorpio is about digging under the surface and finding out what's happening behind the thing you can see. Classic Scorpio uh, technology is asking a question and then hearing the answer and then saying, yes, but why? And, the, and then you get this why answer and then, yes, but what's happening behind that? Why is that true? And it's not that they're not satisfied with the answer you gave. It's that there's always something further. So with Lilith there, uh, this, this rawness, this primal, visceral, 
creative energy and sexual energy is going to push boundaries and try to uh, go below the surface. So Lilith and Scorpio can be a really intense experience with creativity and or sexuality uh, with, with others and intensity uh, in, in working with others and, and trying to connect with others energetically. Uh, also, this is another thing like with Lilith and the Eighth about having radar that's really, really uh, fantastic for uh, you know for who's good for you and who's not. The question is, does the person feel free to trust that radar and operate by instinct? Uh, Lilith and Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the mode of expansion and risk uh, and uh, developing faith or recovering the ability to have faith. Um, is, is something working through the lens of Sagittarius can actually uh, flip back and forth between optimism and pessimism. Uh, that's one of the features of this Jupiter archetype, uh, and Sagittarius is part of that. And uh, so Lilith here, um, that expansiveness needs to be instinctive. And there's a, there's a raw visceral quality and perhaps an erotic, erotic or erratic uh, quality to, to that sense of belief and faith and hope and expansion and, and optimism, pessimism. Uh, Lilith and Capricorn. Capricorn is an earth sign that tries to uh, establish boundaries and protocols and control. That's a, its method is to kind of reign in chaos and give direction to things. It's a, you know, as I was talking before about the masculine and feminine energies, it's very, very uh, kind of our our archetypal masculine energy socially, like society wise, is is a lot of the Capricorn Saturn tenth house archetype. Uh, with Lilith there, the uh, instinctive nature needs to have boundaries, perhaps even protocols. You know, we think instinct, and I say raw, visceral, primal quality. I haven't used that word yet. Primal is another Lilith keyword. Um, and, uh, you know, operating through uh, through Capricorn, it's um, it needs to uh, approach structuring things in an instinctive way. Now, Aquarius is about creating freedom and setting oneself apart, uh, innovating, and um, and so so Lilith here needs to operate absolutely anti the status quo. It kind of always is everywhere. Lilith needs to explore the status quo and not necessarily always give in to that, but but be autonomous and honor instinctive, uh, you know, the wild feminine energy within the not controlled, not tamed energy. Um, but in Aquarius, uh, the person needs to innovate instinctively and the person needs to set themselves apart uh, from the status quo in, in really uh, serious ways. And things that happen in Aquarius or things that are in Aquarius, planets and points, they operate differently from everything else. So this person could walk into a room full of Lilith people and all those people could be on the same page. This person might need to do the Lilith thing a little differently. So it's a journey of individuation. But along the way, you can actually find yourself bored in places where you need to grow out of. And that's a that's a very Lilith theme, as I mentioned earlier, too. And Lilith and Pisces. Pisces is about merging. It's about um, surrendering. It's about going with the flow. It's trying to sometimes match the vibration or the quality of some experience in its surroundings to become a part of the flow of, of creation, of reality, of the world, whatever. Uh, or even like in a crowd, you know, like we find ourselves in this sea of people if we give in to that and get to know the rhythm and flow with it, that's, you know, we're doing a Piscean thing. Uh, Lilith and Pisces, its instinct needs to merge with what is around it. And uh, it's really, um, 
it's really a thing about surrendering to instinct as well. Uh, you can't plan your instinctive behavior. And Lilith and Pisces really says um, it's in the moment. You can't think about it. You probably can't even describe it with words, but you have to flow with it and feel it. And, you know, as, as one of the water signs, Pisces is about this. Um, it is about an emotional experience and, and getting inside some experience. And so, so if somebody operates by instinct, somebody, the person can get inside, uh, this thing with Lilith and Pisces in, in a really, uh, really beautiful way that, uh, enhances the human experience. So those are the, those are the, uh, houses and signs. Um, it looks like nobody's calling in, so I'll just finish out the hour with, um, with, uh, Kind of adding things that that I left out. I was I was telling Kira, my producer, during the break. Um, I was actually nervous before I came on the air today, for the first time in a long time. I mean, maybe the first few shows I was, but because I couldn't imagine summarizing what I've learned about the signs and houses with Lilith in you know eight-ish years in less than an hour-long program. Couldn't imagine it. I was nervous about, oh, I'm going to leave out a billion things that I, <laughs> I want to get into. Uh, because for me, um, I'll, just, I'll just tell you. I mean, if you have the Soul's Journey 3, a case study, you you know this. But um, my own True Black Moon Lilith is at about three and a half Sagittarius with Neptune and Mercury in the second in Sagittarius. And then conjunct uh, Moon in Sagittarius in the third. So my feelings and my thoughts and how I connect to, uh, you know, greater reality, Neptune, uh, all those uh, Moon, Mercury, Neptune stuff is, uh, for me, kind of erratic. It, and it is instinctive and instinct-based. Because Mercury's in there, I'm interested in instinct. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I, I spent years writing Lilith Healing the Wild. I think that I don't know how many draft versions of the opening essays there were, but I had all the astrology done, uh, a few, you know, a few years into it, just all, all done, but I couldn't introduce it the right way. I think because I was still kind of angry about patriarchy, honestly, and I was still kind of resentful about, about how these perceptions about, how women should be treated and kind of women as troublemakers that always, uh, really got me. That always really, uh, really, really made me angry. And, and, um, even, even like, uh, dumb blonde jokes when I was a kid, I'd hear adults tell them and I'd be like, really? That's what you're, you know, that's where you're coming from. And so all that stuff really bothered me. So, so finally, uh, you know, realized that, uh, you know, I could put words to it through this, through this work, but it took me a few years to kind of, to edge into compassion and accepting that, you know, we as a collective have created this patriarchal experience for, for ourselves to, to understand what it's like to elevate one of those two energies, those archetypal forces over the other, and then to live through that lens for a while. And then realize that it sucks, it doesn't work, and it's damaging. And then to figure out how to balance it. And that's where we are. And that's why Lilith Healing the Wild is my most popular book. Because people people hear the word the name Lilith and they're like, wait a minute, what's that? Wait, I I, I need to know about that. Um, and uh, you know, I haven't even promoted that book more than any other book, <laughs> you know. But but that's it's it's caught on like wildfire because people are people are craving how to you know get in touch, not just get in touch with their their own natural feminine, but how to understand the cultural uh, significance of doing so. 
and how coming out of thousands of years of deciding that the earth is something to be used, right? That uh, women are things to be used. That um, anything that isn't hyper-masculine is there to be used. That's that's a kind of um, you know cultural context we're coming from. Not you know you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I'm sophisticated. It's the year 2013, and I'm you know I'm pretty with it. Um, but we've been shaped by these cultural attitudes for so long. So I had with the Lilith Hill in the Wild. I had to go through, uh, I mean, I want to say 15 versions of the opening essays, uh, you know, the like, I don't know, five or six opening chapters, like between those, like probably total of like 15, 15 versus 16 versions because I kept coming at it from a particular place um, that I realized had a charge I needed to, to get over. But, but I, that was the first book I started, you know, it's, you know, I think the twelfth book I published, but it was the first book I started, and and in between all those other books over those three years, the ensuing three years from first publication to when Lilith was published, uh, I really had sleepless nights because I couldn't finish the book. I really because it was so important to me to get the information out to people. This, you know, every time I told a story to a client. You know, uh, the, the light bulbs went off and, and, and uh, you know, finally the, the, the person, you know, struggling with self-acceptance says, oh, that's why society does that. Oh, that's why my family who has a traditional religious approach of some kind or that's why, you know, I've had this experience as a man or a woman within relationship. Um, and uh, it, it makes it makes sense. So I actually I encourage you uh, to get the book and get the natal report um, and uh, also do the uh, sign up for the um, uh, Astrology at the Edge of Consciousness webinar. It's one of, of five uh, webinars on November 21st, the True Black and Lilith one that I'm doing. The other four, um, Eric Francis is doing one, Adam Allenboss, who's the host and organizer, and Patricia Walsh and Linda Hill. So some really wonderful teachers doing um, doing these. And, and they've actually cut the price quite a bit uh, from their original plan. And also there's an early bird thing through o- October 15th, which is 60 instead of 95 bucks. So you can get uh, that info. Um, at tdjacobs.com and go sign up for that. Um, I think it's going to be really fabulous. Um, all the speakers tied together with this idea of um, being at the edge of consciousness. So I'm talking about instinct and raw visceral living and how that's kind of edging us out, you know, edging us into a conscious evolution. Um, Adam is talking about plant medicine. Patricia is talking about reincarnation. Linda is talking about Sabian symbols, which add a really cool multidimensional uh, layer to the chart. Um, so yeah, so actually, uh, we're out of time now. Um, thanks for joining me. Uh, next week, my guest is Adam Allenboss. We're going to talk about plant medicine, ayahuasca, consciousness, uh, altered states, and uh, the before and after. I'm going to pick his brain about his experiences uh, before uh, he went on uh, his journey to really have things opened up for him uh, with plant medicine and uh, another living a Neptunian life. So catch me in Venice on October 20th and keep in touch with me through uh, tdjacobs.com. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.